On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. We are continuing in our series on heaven. I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to every week. And I'm the one speaking it, putting it all together, finding this stuff going, oh, and it just gets better. I, I, I Just a warning, I have no end in sight. So heaven is, there's so much to talk about and when it comes to heaven. So I'm very excited about it. Last week, however, uh, I brought to you the reminder that Jesus gave to us, right? The Bible tells us our life is short. Moses even prayed, oh God, teach me to number my days. Teach me the brevity of this life. You know, it can be very short. And, uh, and then uh, and we're also told that the, the flowers fade and the grass withers. Last week, I, I brought to you uh, the picture of the cactus on my front porch. Anybody remember I was talking about that? It just blooms once a year. Well, of all times, it happened this week. So I, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know how fast it was going to be coming. So here's what my front porch looked like on Friday. This was my front porch. So this is this nasty I mean, it's like just steer clear of it, 360 days a year kind of a thing. You just don't get anywhere near it. It's a terrible, terrible animal on my, on my property, right? But on Friday, these three flowers bloomed. It was just fantastic, right? By Saturday morning, I went back out on Saturday morning, and this is what it looked like. Now look at the three flowers that bloomed the day before. Remember how I told you the flowers only last all of 24 hours. So on Friday were those three flowers. On Saturday, these 12 came out, right? So here's, come on out guys here. Here's Anthony, here's Owen. Come on out here, guys. I want to show you this today. This is Sunday morning now. This is Sunday morning. Wait till you see this. It's just like, it's disgusting. It's like, how could those be? Now look at the massive muscles on these two guys, Okay. Like you got to, that's a heavy cactus, right? But check this out. So here's these flowers. These are these three. These are these three. They're just nothing now. These are just closing down. They were bright yesterday. And, and they're departing today. Listen, beloved, this is what the word of God tells us. This is symbolic of our life. It doesn't last long. It, it goes pretty quick. We were blossoming one day and fading the next. And soon it's just literally, this is what's happening already. They're just now, they're falling off. It's, it's over. And, and I won't see these again until next year. Until next May, these will start to blossom out again. You can see this little one here, these little tiny ones. There's, some are getting ready for in a couple of weeks. These will be growing out. But this is it. This is the end of it. It's one day, 24 hours. And look, look at the muscles on this guy, right? He had to carry the big pot, right? <laughs> Anthony's like, come on, Owen, hold it up strong. It's amazing, right? So I, I look at this and I go, here's this beautiful, this beautiful thing, one moment. And in less than a day, it's starting to go down. I, I told my bride, I said, I think I want to just leave them on the platform so you can see them next week. They're just pathetic next week. Absolutely disgusting. So thanks, guys. Thank these guys. They're like, these guys, they're, they're like dressed like all ninja, you know, so they come out when it's all black and they whoosh, you, they put out the table, you know, and Heather disappears and then the table comes out. Where'd that come from? The ninjas, right? It's, so they're back there. Well, this morning I want to I I encourage us. Jesus gave us an amazing encouragement 
uh, to his followers, which is all of us now, right? But to his followers, and, and it's in John. I want to read this to you. This is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Listen to this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's in the good news books. I'm getting over there. You got your Bible. You want to open up to it. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what he says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Period. Can, can I, just, should I just stop right there? Because I think I got a lot of troubled hearts. I know my heart's in trouble, right? I've got a lot of things on my heart and on my mind that trouble me financially, relationally, health-wise, et cetera, et cetera, vocation. Okay, here's what he says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. And if this wasn't so, would I have told you that I'm going to go prepare a place for you? When everything's in place, when everything's ready, I'm going to come and I'm going to get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. Oh, listen, this, this, is, this, this is this comfort that Jesus wanted to give his disciples. Now, keep in mind, when Jesus first said this, he was getting ready to finish his earthly ministry. It was closing down. The end of John is coming up here very quickly, right? And this is, it's all coming to a close. And he's been letting his disciples know. And he says, hey, listen, don't be, don't be freaked out. The disciples are facing this uncertain future, right? And they're freaking out. What are we going to do next? What's coming next? Jesus asks them, hey, I need you to double trust. I, I, need you to, I need you to double trust. I need you to trust God, and I need you to trust also in me. And see, trust is difficult because I'm disappointed on a regular basis by people who let me down that I trusted, systems that I trusted that let me down. And I go, hey, I trusted this was going to work. I trusted that this sale was what the salesman said it was going to be. And then I get disappointed and I'm like, ah, trust is very difficult. You ever feel like you're just not sure what's coming next? And you're not sure who can I trust or what can be trusted? Well, Jesus says this, you need to trust God and you need to trust in me. And what I want to unpack this morning are the principles to what Jesus taught us to do. Right here, the principles that he's outlining right here, when our hearts are troubled. And so this morning, I've, I've called this morning, keep your eyes on the prize, okay? Because here's the big hint, ready? Get your head in the clouds. If you want to know how to not be troubled, get your head in the clouds, but keep your eyes on the prize. Now, before I go there, I want to tell you that what I'm talking about here at the beginning here is it all kind of falls under the category of uh, this wise advice that's been given to us in the scriptures. And if you got your apps open, I hope you do. Fill this one in. Guard your heart. We have got to guard our heart. We must guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us that we have to guard our heart because from it flows all the course of our life. What, I mean, it's very clear. Jesus taught us that what comes out of our mouth is flowing from our heart. When I hear people say things, I go, that's what's in the heart. Paul taught us, don't be anxious about anything. See, I'm not going to be anxious about the things that I can't trust, the things that are unsure, right? Peter taught us, cast all your cares on Jesus. He cares for you. You don't need to have all those cares. Get rid of that stuff. This is all part of this guard your heart principle. And if we're going to protect our faith, especially when, when our hearts are troubled through these difficulties, we have to trust Jesus' words, Jesus' teachings, 
and the promises of Scripture. Now, I want you to know that those three things, his words, his teachings, and the promises he gave us, right? They're all pointing us, watch this, to take a closer look at heaven. And I want you to see it in John chapter 14. He, he says, if your hearts are troubled, boop, he switches us over from your troubled heart to take a look at heaven. Jesus is constantly doing that. The Bible tells us, and you can fill this one in, heaven is our eternal home. This is our temporary home. Some people are in Southern California. Others have moved off to Nevada and Montana and Idaho and Atlanta and anywhere but here, right? Right? But listen, this is all temporary. This is temporary. I don't care how permanent, I don't care how long you've lived in the house you're in. It's still temporary. But what does the Bible say if heaven's our eternal home? What does the Bible say heaven is about? What does it look like, right? Well, Jesus told us right here in John chapter 14, that in his father's house, in his father's home, there's more than enough room. The problem is we see so small. We don't have, what I'm trying to get to in this series, a heavenly mindset. We see right here, we've got to learn to see the bigger picture. What's really happening here? Sometimes our current physical trouble can dim the spiritual triumph of heaven. I think sometimes our temporary difficulties obscure what's going to be happening with our eternal reality. Is I get caught up. I do. I get caught up in the, in the daily. Oh, the car. Oh, the bills. Oh, the relationships. Oh, the conflicts. Oh. And here's what Jesus says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let me tell you about heaven. Wait, what? In other words, when we're going through difficulties, we've got to keep our eyes on the prize. We have to change our perspective. Now, we don't focus on the problem. Beloved, we learn to focus on the hope. That, I, I don't know about you. It's in me. The problem comes, you know what I do? I'm a problem solver. I don't know about you. I see the problem and I go, how do we fix it? And watch as Jesus goes, yeah, don't focus on the problem. Focus on eternity. The problem will take care of itself. Because you know what? Listen, I don't care how many problems you solve today. Do you know what's coming tomorrow? Thank you. And watch this. The problems that you thought about last year, the problems that stressed you out, the problems that had you sweating it out last year, go ahead. In the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of the pandemic, they had just closed everything down. I was going, how are you supposed to do church, right? This is a year ago. Now I go, well, this is what we do, and this is how we get it done. And we just, all that stuff, that's gone. Now we're doing something. Now I'm worried about something else. He says, you got to focus on the hope, the solution, the salvation that Jesus promised and is waiting for. And I'm telling you, in a few days, in a few weeks, in a few months, in a few years, our problems won't matter. And I'm telling you, trust me when I tell you this, and you could, you could test it out for yourselves. You won't remember the problems you had four years ago. You ever have that happen on social media? This is what you were saying four years ago. And you're like, oh, I, I forgot that even happened. Right? This is what happens. You're like, wow, the stuff that I think about that I don't think about anymore. And Jesus wanted to get this eternity into us because our current realities, the current trials, the current difficulties are trivial in comparison to being reunited with loved ones. Had a busy week doing a memorial this week. It was tough. 
But I just had to keep focusing. One day I'm going to see them again. One day I'm going to see them again. I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus and they're going to be with me and we're all going to go, yeah. And I'm going to talk more about heaven's lifestyle here in a minute. But that's the principle of this passage. Jesus is trying to change his followers' perspective. And guess who his followers are now? Us. Here he was talking to Matthew, he was talking to John, he was talking to, right, he was talking to his followers here. But now he's talking to us. Hey, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. There's a lot of things that he could have focused them on. Imagine the things that he could have focused. Hey, guys, hey, hey, don't freak out. Remember, I raised the dead. Hey, hey, guys, guys, don't freak out. Remember, I walked on water. Hey, dudes, man, mellow, mellow out. Remember, I turned water into wine, bro. Take it easy. It all, it all handle itself. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He goes, when your hearts are troubled, think about heaven. Now, I'll tell you what. We can see him do it in a lot of other occasions where he focuses on, on something else. Most of the time, he goes, stop looking at what's right in front of you. Put your head up. But in this particular case, he gets them to focus on heaven. And I think in this particular case, he's wanting us to focus on heaven. He gets them to focus on their ultimate future beyond their impending future. And hear the difference between those two things. Our ultimate future, we're all going the way of our fathers and our mothers and our grandfathers. We're all going there, some sooner than others. That is a fact. But here's what happens. He goes, your impending future, oh, tomorrow I've got this report that i got to put in. i got to do this tomorrow. I have to do this this afternoon. we got to go over to Costco, and then we got to go to my mother-in-law's house. He goes, forget about the impending stuff. I want you to think about the ultimate future that's out there. Focus on your eternal home. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to take a look a little bit closer at our eternal home. Here's the first one. Here's the first one I want you to fill in. Heaven has a location. Heaven has a location. There is actually a place called heaven. And it's not, oh, I, I'm thinking about heaven. Oh, I feel warm and fuzzy and cloudy. And right? that's, not, that's not heaven, right? It's not in our mind. It's not in our heart. Heaven in the New Testament is described as a house. We just heard Jesus say, my father's home. And it's his home because that's where the father is. And that's difficult for people to get that imagery, the father, because a lot of people have tweaked images of the father, their father. And so they take this father, this earthly father, and they project it on a heavenly father and go, I don't think I want to go to that house. My house with my father, my dad wasn't safe. I don't know that that's a safe place. Mm, I get nervous, right? Heaven is a city with many inhabitants, Hebrews tells us that. Right? Heaven is a country. And wait till you hear, I'm going to talk about the massiveness of heaven this morning. Heaven is a kingdom. And there's an orderliness to it all throughout the Bible. These are things that we're talking about. And heaven is a paradise. When it speaks of its beauty, there's this beautiful place called heaven. And his house becomes our house. And I hear the father say, in my best Southern California uh, upbringing, mi casa es su casa. Right? I I'm telling you, I understand it this way. This is why I go, right. He's saying, hey, Come. What I've prepared for you, this, this, what I have is yours, right? This world is not my home. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. We're in temporary exile. I'm stuck here for a while. This world is not his home. Please know that. This is a dress rehearsal for eternity. Heaven is not her home. It's a soul-saving rescue mission. We're busy looking for prisoners of war. 
I'm looking for those who've been held captive, the POWs, and I'm saying, I'm coming for you. That's what I'm doing here. This world is not their home. It's a battleground. Doesn't, it, this, it's not their home. We're the ambassadors, and we've come here to say, there's another way. There's another place. So first, let's look at its location, right? We looked at its location. There is this place that's going to be, right? Heaven also, number two, has a layout. Now, this is pretty wild, and it's ginormous, right? Heaven has a layout. There is a specific, it's described for us in Scripture how big heaven really is. Now, uh, to give you an example, and this is very difficult, I, I, this is part of why, when I love putting together teachings like this, S- scientists have been looking at and trying to measure the size of the known physical universe. It's huge, right? There's a photo called XDF. It's called Extreme Depth of field. This picture right here, this picture was put together by photographs taken from the Hubble telescope over the course of 10 years to get a clear picture of what is out there, right? It shows literally uncountable galaxies, each comprising of billions of stars like our own galaxy. There's this galaxy, and then there's that one, and that one, and we can't even count how many galaxies there are. Now, I got to read this because it was so intense, right? Our sun, get ready, I just want to, uh, can I overwhelm you for a moment as we, uh, okay, this, this, this is what's out there, oh, you can leave that up there. This, this is what's out there, that's that, what's out there. Now, watch this, ready? Our sun is 93 million miles from earth. 93 million miles from here is where our sun is. And each of these galaxies are even further than that from the other galaxies. Now watch, ready? Andromeda, which is the next closest galaxy to ours. Here's us. Here's Andromeda, right? It's 2.2 million light years away. And so I go, oh, that's cool. No, it's not cool. Watch this. It's like, (laughs) right? To give you an idea how far that is, listen, a shuttle, we get in a space shuttle. Remember the jetpacks? Okay, we get in a shuttle. It travels 18,000 miles an hour. Just picture that one. That's about how fast I go on the 14. Okay, here we go. 18,000 miles an hour. Listen, you would need 37,000 years to travel one light year. At 18,000 miles an hour, you need 37,000 years to go one light year, and Andromeda is 2.2 light years away. I'm like, oh, the universe is getting bigger. It's getting a lot bigger, right? When I think about it, I go, oh, the stars are so far away. No, it's the stars you can't see. To give you an idea of how far that is, again, because the universe is immeasurable, I I want you to keep this in mind again. God, and I brought this up a few weeks ago, God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He is all-everywhere, right? This is God, and he's created this universe. Well, the measurement of the heavenly city that's described in Revelation 21 and please don't be intimidated by the book of Revelation. I realize, you know, you like get back there and you're like, oh, can I just skip over to the maps? This is really weird, right? Listen, listen, stay there. There's some really cool things in here. 
But the measurement of the heavenly city in Revelations 21, it's actually done, it's, it's measured out in stadia, in cubits, right? In furlongs, and you're like, what the, what's a furlong, right? right? So rather than get all distracted by that stuff today, I'm not gonna go into all those details. Essentially, the city of God is 1,380 miles square. 1,380 miles square. So that's, that's the heavenly city, okay? North, south, east, west. The literal and land area described in Revelation is 2,250,000 square miles. 2,250,000, two and a quarter thousand square miles, right? Los Angeles is 503 square miles. And we think LA is big. I, I just want you to go 500 square miles, 2,250,000 square miles. If you were to play out the ratio of people living in LA, the heavenly city will hold about 100 billion people. That's how big it is. If, if we all don't get beachfront property, you know what I'm saying? Like every, uh, that's my heavenly m- mindset, right? But listen, if, if, if we were just taking average, the way LA is populated, if you populated heaven the same way, about 100 billion people could live in heaven. Right now, there's six, seven or so on the planet. A hundred billion people in heaven. Heaven is a location. Heaven has a layout. But I want you to know heaven has a look. There's number three. You can fill that one in. Heaven has a look. And in Revelation chapter 21, I want to read to you the look. Here's the look of heaven. Heaven has a look. Revelation chapter 21, verses 18 through 27. Listen to this. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. Anybody seen clear gold? I don't get it. Remember Tento Express versus Jetpacks, right? That when we're talking about, we're talking about something that is new, like, whoa, new. Kano's new. Anybody remember this, right? If you missed last week, can I encourage you to go back on, our, on YouTube, on Facebook, listen to last week, because when, when you read this, you go, wait, gold is clear. Kano's. Don't, don't think of it like we think of it, right? He said that it's clear, clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on the foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the, the, the third is agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, carnelian, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysosphase, jacinth, and amethyst. Verse 21, the 12 gates were made of pearls, Just grab it for a minute. A, 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 a pearl. <laughs> a pearl. You know, world's largest pearl. No, there are 12 gates made from a single pearl. Listen to this. Single pearl. And the main street was pure gold as clear as glass. And I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. The nation will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gate will never be closed in the end of day because there will be no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into that city. Nothing evil will ever be allowed to enter. No one who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going to leave that there, man. You just need just to kind of take that in for a moment. Heaven. That's heaven. I, I, you read something like that, and you just need to take a deep breath. Like, 
Okay, wait. <laughs> Clear gold, pearl, pearl gates. Like, this is amazing. This is ma- magnificent. It's a location. It has a specific layout. It has a specific look. And you know where I'm going for the last fourth. It's an L. It's an L word, right? It, it also has a look. It has a lifestyle, rather. A lifestyle. has a lifestyle. We already myth-busted the floating clouds and, and babies playing harps thing, right? But, but I want to keep going. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. We went over this last week. I saw a new heaven. This is the kanos that I talked about last week. Not just like a new pair of shoes, like the old pair of shoes I had, but deciding to give up my shoes, and I got a jetpack instead. That's what, it's like way beyond what you used to do. It's something totally different. Right? He says, there is a new heaven and a new earth from the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Listen to this. It's beautiful, right? And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God is home now among his people. He's going to live with them and they're going to be his people and God will be with them. And here's what I want to focus on today. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. And all of these things are gone forever. Should we say that last word together? Forever. Last week I talked about s'mores. In a couple weeks, I'm going to talk about no mores, right? There's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. I'm like, I'm digging this. Here's this beautiful, beautiful thing. Because as Christians, we're told that this life brings us troubles. We have troubles, as well as blessings and comforts. But pain, pain and sorrow, that's inevitable in this life. But we're looking beyond the suffering and sorrow to the eternal day. Heaven's coming. And man, you know, my brother-in-law, he, he was healthy running the marathon, and the next day he died. I mean, life happens like that. I, I don't know when my last breath is, but until I have that last breath, every breath that comes out is going to be to praise him. I, I'm going to thank him with the breath that he's put in. It's going to come out in some form that I'm going to say, God is still God, and I am not. And I, I want to I keep using my breath for that. But when we get to put on these new bodies that the, the Bible talks about, it says that these dying bodies are going to be swallowed up. I, I love this. By life. This old body gets swallowed up by life. See, the thing that's noticeably absent in this new Jerusalem, tears, death, mourning, crying, pain, the things that you go, I just, I'm, I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of feeling this. Ugh. I'm tired of feeling this way. That's not going to happen there the death of friends and loved ones. That's a harsh reality in this life. We're going to have that. But that's going to be over once and for all when we take up residence in the new Jerusalem. And that's why Paul said that living means living for Jesus and dying is even better. See, we're so busy trying to live. We become weekend warriors, living for the weekend. We're li- I just got to do whatever I can to live. But this... According to Paul, this is for Christ. Down here, we're ambassadors. I'm just, I'm just putting in my time. That's where life begins. Life really begins there. But these verses in Revelation, they describe the total and complete defeat 
of all sin, of all evil, of all wrong. It describes the ramifications of God's judgment when he takes authority. All the wrongs are going to be made right. All the sin is going to be separated. All the suffering is going to go away. Watch this in Luke chapter 12. Open this up. You want to read this. Luke chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? It's the third of the what's called synoptic gospels. They're gospels that kind of say the same story. Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of tell the same stories about Jesus. And then you have John. He's over here. He tells kind of a totally different story. But Luke records this parable taught by Jesus in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15. Listen to the story that Jesus tells. He says this. He tells him this story, right? He says, uh, starting in chapter 12, starting in verse 15. He says, hey, there's this rich man, right? And he has a, fa- a fertile farm that produces fine crops. And he says to himself, because this sounds so like, like me. I, I, it's not a farm, it's not crops, but this kind of sounds like me, right? He says to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops, And then he says, I know, I'm going to go get a space over at U-Haul, and I'm going to have a storage unit, right? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And then I'm going to have enough room to store all my junk, all my wheat and all my other goods, that car that I never drive, the couch that I just couldn't see myself throwing away, the clothing that doesn't fit me, the, yes, if that's, if, if you have storage units, there's a challenge for you this morning. This is what Jesus is talking about. Not me. That wasn't from me. That was from Jesus. Okay. Watch this. He says, he says I'm going I'm to store it all up. And then I'm going to sit back and I'm going to say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. It doesn't fit you. It doesn't run. It doesn't work. And you haven't seen it in years, but at least you've got it stored. Eat, drink, and be merry. Take it easy. And then God says to him, you're a fool. You're going to die this very night. Then who's going to get everything that you worked so hard for? A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Here's what Jesus is saying. That our over-concentration on the present is foolishness. In view of reality. We've got to live this life with a view to eternity. I want to share a little parable with you this morning. This guy's name is Matthew Emmons. Matthew Emmons is one of the best American sharpshooters who have ever lived. In his 23-year career, he is a four-time Olympian with gold, silver, and bronze medals. And at the 2004 Olympics, after winning his first gold medal, he blew his lead and a second gold medal by shooting at the wrong target. That was his face when he realized he was standing in lane two, and because he had these little optics on, he accidentally shot at lane three. He went from first place with a gold medal to eighth place and no medal. And I just go, Think about it. Just get it in your brain here. All the training, all the work, all the practice, everything he had done, he worked overtime. And he shot the wrong target. By the way, he got a bullseye <laughs> on lane three. 
My question is, right? That error, right? My, my question is, what target are you shooting at? Plenty to choose from. Wealth? Job? My family? Listen, these are all faulty targets, folks. It's all, it's all temporary. I love, 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 love my family, but it is temporary. Love my bride. It is temporary. We will not be married forever. The Bible is clear. I will see her forever. Pray for my bride. Uh, but we're not going to stay married. We're together forever. Mm, not married. There is no marriage in heaven. It's temporary. But what are we shooting at? Go ahead. Name the targets. What's number one for you? What's number five? I've got to have a house. Got to have a car. Got to have a retirement package. Got to have this payroll. Got to have this guy. Just imagine what you've laid out. And then I'm asking, what are you shooting at? Jesus said this. If you're aiming at anything, listen to me now, other than heaven, you've got the wrong target. That's tough. That's really hard on me personally because I got a lot of great targets in my life. These are amazing things in my life. I have a beautiful bride, fantastic children. I have five granddaughters. It's, I'm just getting started. I'm so excited about life. And God, and God looks at me and says, that's not where it's at. One of my targets is not have to wear masks anymore. Temporary. 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 Your cars, your houses, what we've collected, it's all temporary. And Jesus is simply asking, what are you aiming for? If you do not know Jesus, today is a day to do that. And I, and I say this each week, right? Because I am for the one. There's somebody here this morning who needs to hear that Jesus provided a way for you to get to heaven. Not everybody, listen, everybody's going to heaven, not everybody's staying. But Jesus said, I'm going to create a way so you can stay. God says, you know what? Sin, the sin in your life separates you from my holiness. But you know what? Jesus is going to fill in for you, and I'm going to count what he's done, his holiness, as your holiness. And if you will admit that, and then you will call out to me and say, uh, God, can he stand in for me? Can he do my prison time? The what, what's do me? What I, what I deserve to serve, can he do it instead of me? That's the way God did it. He said, that's how you get into heaven. Admit, believe, and call. A, B, C. Very simple, but very hard because my pride is very strong. I can do it. I can get the target I want. Don't look over there. Look. And then I go, well, which one is the right target? I'm letting us know today. Here's the right target. Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to thank you for a moment here. And I'm asking in Jesus' name, if there's someone who is in this room, who is someone who's listening online, and you're out there and you're thinking, whew, it is a good thing I dialed in today. I pray, God, that there would be, there would be a moment here, just a moment to stop and say, I got to get this right. I know church. I even know some Bible verses. 
I, I know some of the words to the song, but I don't know God, and I don't think God knows me. I mean, he, he probably hears me saying, oh, God, help me. Don't let me get a ticket. But other than that, I, I don't think I know him. I don't think there's a relationship between us. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. I, I want to pray with you. How about that? I want to pray with you that today you would simply say, I want Jesus to come in, not just live in me, but through me. I'm a mess. This is as good as it gets, and it's not very good. Beloved, please hear me. I'm just a beggar telling other beggars where there's free bread. (laughs) I'm a mess too. Every day going, Jesus, I need your help today. But if that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's an opportunity for you. An opportunity. It's just an opportunity.